The lesson this morning is from the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. A strange story. From Mount Hor, they set out and went by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food and no water. We detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take the serpents away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I grew up in a long, 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 long time ago. It was so long ago that when our daddies went to work, they would turn us out. They would say, go outside and play all day. And the job was to play all day. You turned yourself back in about lunchtime, and somebody gave you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of cold Metagold milk. You went out and you played the rest of the afternoon until a parent whistled or called your name. They didn't have books to name us when I was born. What would happen is your parent would walk out on the back porch and just shout several names, and they would shout them in combination and cadence, and whatever sounded good being yelled at, that was your name. Oh, y'all, we drank from the garden hose. Yes, we did. We played in the mud. Yes, we did. We made mud pies. That's why our immune system is what it is. We ate mud and we ate dirt. We got hurt. Yes, children will get hurt. As a matter of fact, one of the jobs of a child is to collect scars so they can tell the story later on in their life about how they got the scar. Oh, you would fall. Oh, we had, we had the first generation of skateboards with the metal wheels. They would not roll on asphalt. Ah, oh, they were terrible. You'd fall and skin your knee or you'd fall and skin your elbow and you'd run in. And in my case, you'd run into your grandmother. Nanny, nanny, I fell. I scared my elbow. Look, Nanny, help it. And the grandmother would do several things in the proper order, rinse it off. Then Nanny would hit you with either methylate, mercurochrome, iodine, or alcohol. Yes, she's going to take care of that infection. And then the immediate response was, ah, nanny, blow on it. It hurts. It hurts. And she'd blow on it. And you'd calm down and she'd put a Band-Aid on it. And that's what they called the healing process. 
That's why we're all so tough. What you need is to get an open cut and put iodine, alcohol, mercurochrome, or methylate on it and see what happens to you. It will cause you to speak forcefully. It's a weird healing process. We don't do it today. Man, we have this spray-on stuff, Bactine. Just hit them with the Neosporin, put a little Band-Aid on it, and send them back to their video games. See, kids today don't get injured. They get blisters on their thumbs from their video games. It's different now. This is a weird curative. I survived. It's almost as strange curative as what was prescribed for the children of Israel when the serpents bit them. Now, this week in your your essential Jesus readings, you're going to read symbolism. You're going to read Old Testament stories that carry into the New Testament. And it's very important how they carry and why they carry. You're going to read the story of the institution of Passover Seder. You're going to read stories of manna. You've got the snakes. You've got the um, institution of the temple and the Ark of the Covenant coming into the temple. And then you have the story of Jonah who just blows it. That's the only way you can say it. Jonah tried to be a good Jew. He just blew it. You have all these stories that Jesus either references or points back to or says, I am. So they're important stories, but this story is just weird. There is no way around this one. I can't fix it. I can't exegete it for you to make it Sunday school material. It's a strange story because judgment and mercy are in such close proximity. Judgment and mercy are in such close proximity. And, and just saying the word judgment in a Methodist church, people went, huh? What's judgment? We're all about God's grace. There's, there's no judgment. Well, there is here. The children of Israel, their salvation story is the Exodus. Their salvation story is being freed from Pharaoh. Their salvation story is what happened at the the Red Sea. They're standing at the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptian charioteers are behind them, about to catch up with them and just slaughter them all. And Moses touches the water, the water parts, and the Hebrews walk across on, the Hebrew says, they walked across on the dry The Egyptians see this, and they take their chariots down in there. They're going to still pursue the the Hebrews, and the waters fill back in, flooding the Egyptian army and killing the Egyptian army, thus freeing the children of Israel from Pharaoh, from the army, from hopelessness, and from slavery. It's their salvation story. And how do you respond to the salvation story? The Hebrews complain. They kick complaining up. Oh, they they kick it up into the major leagues. And the story in Numbers is a recounting of some of their great complaining. The people became impatient on the way. 
Did you know that being impatient is a sin? Hadn't heard that one before, have you? It's a sin. Because the very nature of being impatient is you put your wants, your needs, your desires above that of another human being. Now, impatience is something we tolerate in ourselves. I'm not impatient. I'm just a type A personality. I'm not impatient. I'm just really good at Walmart. I can check out at Walmart. Do not get in my way when I'm checking out at Walmart. Now that I work for Walmart, I was going to retire and become a Walmart greeter. Now I'm a Walmart cashier. And those people have the audacity to check me as I go out the door to make sure I have checked everything. I have checked everything. But I stand there sometimes and these people walk up to the little thingamabobber and they'll, you know, they'll jiggle something. They're waiting for it to beep and it won't beep because the barcodes are on the back of the thing. They're circling around, turn around, idiot. The barcodes are on the other side and I just stand there and yes, yes, I get impatient at Walmart. I get impatient on I-20 every day, both coming to work and going home. I'm going to tell you something you need to know. The left-hand lane of the interstate, the left-hand lane of the the left-hand lane of the interstate was created for those driving 78 miles an hour and faster. If you are in the left-hand lane, you need to be on the verge of getting a moving citation. Okay? Don't get in that left-hand lane and drive 65. I've got one of those cars that has politically correct cruise control, you know. Used to be we could weave in and out of traffic with our cruise control on. Now our cruise control slows us down. So if you're over in the left-hand lane and I'm trying to pass a big old 18-wheeler and you've slowed down to 65, I'm going to rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Because I'm impatient. I want what I want when I want it. And boy, do I want what I want from God when I want it. But the Bible says, they who what? Wait on the Lord. They who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The ones who wait. The Hebrews were having all kinds of trouble waiting. And indeed, a generation will pass away and another one will rise up before the Hebrews actually enter the promised land. It took them 40 years to get to the promised land. And they are not happy. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? The people started doing the other thing we like to do. They started complaining. Now, it doesn't start that way. It starts with critique. The critique is gentle. The critique critique of Moses ran like this. Moses, 
We left so fast, you didn't get a road map when we left Egypt. And being a male, you won't ask for directions, will you? That's why we're lost. And after the critique, they kick it up to another notch where they start criticizing. Criticizing has some validity. It sometimes points out flaws. It's where people share something with you in love. I've told you, don't share it with me in love. Just keep it to yourself or say, preacher, I'm here to chew you out, okay? I can take that, but beware, I'd chew back. They've gone to complaining. They just absolutely don't care that God has redeemed them, that Moses has led them, that Moses has intervened on their behalf several times because God's wanted to take them out numerous times. And Moses prays, and God changes his mind. God becomes merciful and gracious and forgives them. Oh, the damage we do when we complain, especially the damage we do when we complain about or in God's house. At the Blackwater Church, there were um, several people who were they were all cousins to each other, and they were all in the choir. And one of the cousins we called Aunt Faye. And Aunt Faye, oh Lord, Aunt Faye was a character all her own. It was one of those Sundays that I had a jillion announcements to make. We didn't have video back in the day. We had to make all the announcements, and the preacher had to make all the announcements because it didn't count unless the preacher did it. So I had the announcements in the bulletin. I had the other sheet of announcements, and then I had the, oh, by the way, preacher, I forgot to tell you, but can you announce this series announcements? You get those announcements from the door to the time you sit down or from the door to the time you walk into the pulpit. Um, And Aunt Faye had given me an announcement that the United Methodist women were having high tea on Tuesday at uh, 10 o'clock in the fellowship hall that all the ladies were invited. High tea, fellowship hall, 10 o'clock, all the ladies were invited. This announcement probably impacted about eight people in the whole church. Guess what I forgot to announce? High tea in the fellowship hall. Now, during the announcement period, I could hear rustling in the choir loft. Choir robes were rustling. There was paper rustling. There were hymn books rustling. And I should have taken the hint from the rustling that I have forgotten something. But I didn't. Rustling settled down, preached the sermon, did the last hymn, did the benediction, was in the back in the narthex greeting people. Oh, and we had this precious young couple that that Sunday in church, uh, husband, wife, couple of kids. They were just happy to be there. They enjoyed the music. They enjoyed the sermon. They wanted to know about the church, about Sunday school for the kids and all kinds of stuff. And I was shaking hands and being friendly and giving information. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw Aunt Faye had come out of the choir loft and was moving at a rapid pace down the side aisle of the church. I could tell she was not happy because her choir robe was billowing. 
It was following her like this big sail. And around the corner, she came and out the door, she came and she got right in my face. She got between me and the new couple and she said, Preacher, you forgot to announce the high tea, UMW, Tuesday, 10 o'clock in the fellowship hall. And that ain't the only thing. You forgot this and that and that and this and this and that and that and that and this and you're Subjects and verbs don't agree with each other when you're preaching and you dangle participles and hang infinitives and do whatever you do to murder a gerund. And right now, I don't know how in the world you murder a gerund, but you do. She she went up my left side, danced on my head for half an hour, went down my right side. Meanwhile, the young couple has left. They've ghosted. They vanished. Never saw them again. Because they thought that church was Aunt Faye. Paul, in writing the church at Philippi, says, Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. That means the next time you're about to post something, don't do it. I'm going to let them know what I think. Don't do it. Don't do it. The world's watching to see if you're a Christian. Don't do it. So the Hebrews were, were just, they were being impatient. They were complaining. And then they just, they go straight to anger. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and water. And now listen to them. And we detest this miserable food. If there's no food and water, what are they detesting? They're detesting the manna that God is feeding them every morning. They're angry at God. They're angry at Moses. The Bible says, be angry and don't sin. And anger, I remind you, is nothing but a mask you put on your fear. That the angriest people in our world are indeed the people that are most afraid. And God says, I've had it with them. I have had it with these whiny, sniveling, complaining Hebrews. I'm done. Then he thinks, well, maybe I'm not done. Let me take a few of them out. So he sends snakes. God sends snakes to bite a few of them. To just make their lives miserable. To punish them. And Moses prays. It's a story of judgment. God is punishing the people for their sinfulness. Not their lack of decorum, but their sinfulness, their rebellion against Him. And we think, 
Thank God. That's Old Testament. We're New Testament. We don't have to worry about God's judgment. Not us. Do you know where in the New Testament it says God is love? It says it in 1 John. 1 John says God is love. 1 John also says this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. The old King James used to call it sin unto death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. There's also sin that leads to death. And John's right in the Christian community. And you have to wonder, what in the world is that sin? What Numbers is telling us and what John is telling us and and it's hinted to in the book of Hebrews is that God has a boundary line. God has a line and says, do not cross this line. It's a part of God's holiness. It's a part of God being different than we are. Do not cross this line. When you cross this line, you have taken a step too far. Be warned. And God's grace is given to us so that we're never tempted to go near that line. God's sanctifying grace is given to us so that we're not worried about what we can get away with. We're worried about becoming more Christ-like and more holy and digging deeper and going deeper in our faith and our life. This is a strange story in the book of Numbers, but the snake reappears. So if you get bit... Moses has got the snake. You look at the snake, you're healed. Pretty simple. You're bit. It's the judgment of God. You see the snake, the bronze serpent, you're healed. It's the grace of God. I told you, we've got judgment and mercy and grace all compressed right there together. You got bit by the snake because you are a sinner. So Moses does this bronze serpent. It heals the people. The people take the bronze serpent and they actually put it in Solomon's temple. When King Hezekiah takes over and starts instituting reforms, he starts pulling all the icons out of the temple because people have started worshiping the things rather than the God behind some of these symbols. This is 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. He removed the high places, he broke down the pillars and cut down the sacred pole, he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel made offerings to it, it was called Nehushtan. So the people of Israel, rather than seeing it as a healing instrument, a reminder of the great God Yahweh, the Hebrews started worshiping the Nehushtan. We are funny. The snake appears one more time in Scripture. Rabbi goes to Jesus and says, you're a great teacher. And Jesus says to the rabbi, you must be born again. 
And the rabbi says, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb? And Jesus and Nicodemus have this great conversation about the new birth. And it's at the end of that section that Jesus says to Nicodemus, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The story of Nehushtan, the story of those snakes, is the story of of God's judgment and God's mercy very close together. The story of the cross of Calvary is the story of God's judgment and God's mercy on that same tree in that person of Jesus Christ. God's love and God's grace overcoming our sinfulness and overcoming our stubbornness in the person of Jesus. So these Old Testament symbols we'll read about this week are there to remind us that the Old Testament points to and clearly, clearly delineates the love of God coming in Jesus Christ. And so many of the stories we live out in the church have those Old Testament roots. Even the story of the snake, the fiery ones, and the bronze ones remind us that where God's wrath and judgment exist, God's love and grace are also present. It is a paradox and a polarity, but it is our hope and our faith. Would you stand and pray with me? We thank you, O God, for the love and grace we experience And even though we don't understand it, we thank you for the love and grace we experience at the foot of the cross. Such a harsh symbol for your love. But that's what your everlasting love took. Oh God, fill us with that love and mercy that flows from Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.